When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to the NUFC blogcast. We've had uh, the longest period that we haven't podded for a whole week off during the international break. We're refreshed, ready to go, ready to talk about Newcastle as the Champions League kicks off. We get back into Premier League action, but there's loads to speak about other than that as well. An international roundup, the Saudi protests at St. James's Park. Good news about Bruno, potentially. A new fan zone at SJP. Three youngsters signed. Loads to talk about once again on the NUFC blogcast. Hello, Ollie. We're back. It's been a whole week since our last podcast. It's been a it's been a welcome break, I think. Obviously, during the international break. But how are you? How's your How's your week been? Yeah, I mean, I was. It's uh, it's not been the best week, really, with the international break being such a boring time. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think especially after a defeat, where you want to just get straight back to another game and then put the the Brighton defeat behind you, having all of these international games that feel a bit irrelevant isn't isn't exactly the tonic, is it? It's not really what we want. So. So yeah, it's been a bit of a quiet week, hasn't it? Not much going on, but um, but yeah, looking forward to the Brentford game, and then obviously uh, a week today, AC Milan away. That's gonna be that's gonna be mega, isn't it? Oh, it's gonna be amazing. I'm gonna be there, so I'm very excited about that. Um, so I'm I'm leaving. I'm actually gonna end up in Italy all week for next week. So I'm just taking oh, wow. some days off work and going to Italy for the whole week. So yeah, no, gonna be really good. Um, but yeah, so does no, that so... mean then our next week's podcast? Does that mean you'll be? Uh coming coming from italy should do yeah monday if we do it monday i think we'll probably record it monday do it from italy um i haven't booked my travel yet but i think i'll be in italy and then i'll be able to do some i probably won't be able to record straight after the game because i want to go out you know whatever happens yeah of course but i'll try and get some immediate reaction you know record some i might even try and get some interviews with fans or something oh wow try try and UFC blogcast going international Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, really excited about that. But yeah, there's been international games, hasn't there? Let's let's do a roundup. So what what interest have we had in these games so far? Because they're not finished yet, but so far, what have we had? Yeah, so I've broken it down a little bit because I think a lot of people kind of switch off over the international break and providing there's no major updates on players, they kind of don't really see how they've done, whether they've scored, anything like that. But I've, I've got a little rundown of the players of who's been in action. So Alexander Izak, he scored for Sweden in a 5-0 win over Estonia. And tonight, so Tuesday night, they play Austria in what's quite a really, really big game for um, Sweden. And obviously, their hopes to qualify for the Euro 2024. So Austria are currently on 10 points in second and only the top two qualify. Sweden are third in, on six points. So that's a that's one of those games where if Sweden get beaten tonight, I'm pretty sure we won't be seeing Izak at, at next, uh, next summer's Euros. So... So yeah, tonight Isaac's got a huge, a huge, huge game against Austria, but he scored in the It'll opening. It would be nice one. to. It would be nice if he goes, won't it? I mean, it's yeah. always nice when your players go to the big tournament. Well, that's it. I mean, I know everyone worries about oh, the more games they play, that the more injury risk it is. But it's nice. I think it's important for players' sort of um, happiness as well. I mean, so many of these players really care about playing for their country and being at these major tournaments. And Isaac wasn't at the World Cup um, with Sweden. They've kind of struggled recently, so. And and a player of his quality wants to be at those tournaments. It's a bit like, I mean, Haaland, I'm pretty sure won't be going, but someone like Haaland, it's a nightmare for him that he doesn't get much of a chance to play 
at World Cups or, or at the Euros because no, Norway aren't very good. So let's hope that Isak doesn't doesn't fall into that trap with Sweden. But yeah, that's a huge game for them tonight. Um, then on to the Brazilian the Brazilian pair. So Bruno actually started Brazil's five one win against Bolivia, and he got an assist there. It was a lovely assist. It was a really clever sort of pass. I don't know if he like almost juggled it and did like yeah, two it's weird, touches. wasn't it? He kind of flicked it through. Yeah, it, it looked. Yeah. I looked at the stats. It looked like we had a really really good game. Yeah, I think he did. I mean, um, so yeah, that's good to see him starting. Good to see that he got an assist. Because I think he he's obviously struggled with form at the start of this season and he had an ankle injury towards the back end of last season. And I think it's nice for him to be not only getting the start for Brazil, which which, which is which is huge for him, but also getting that assist. And then he was actually replaced by Joe Linton with 20 minutes to go. So I guess that's a positive to see Joe Linton playing some part because he came off against Brighton with an injury and apparently he hadn't been training all week leading up to that Brighton game. So... You could say it two ways. It's a bit of a concern that he's not been withdrawn from the Brazil squad if he's got an injury. But the fact he's played and there's been no update on him getting an injury, I guess, is positive. So, yeah. Um, Brazil then play in the early hours of Wednesday morning against Peru, which, let's be honest, playing in South America literally three days before we play Brentford isn't exactly ideal, is it? But um, but let's yeah, let's hope Bruno and and Joe Linton don't get any don't get any knocks there. So. But yeah, talking of players to get a knock on international duty. So Sandro Tonali, he started in Italy's one-all draw with North Macedonia, which to be honest was a bit of a nightmare result for them because obviously Italy missed the, the most recent World Cup and they're now it. So I've got a real chance of missing out on the Euros. So Tonali started against North Macedonia. I think he played 89 minutes, but he's just this morning being ruled out of their essentially like a six-pointer against Ukraine tonight. So Sky Italy came out and said he's got a slight muscle injury. And he's been ruled out of tonight's game against Ukraine. So that immediately makes me think. You know what people are going to start fine? saying? Yeah. They're going to start saying, oh, he just doesn't want to play against Milan. He's pretending. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ironically, Italy are due to play in, in uh, the San Siro tonight against Ukraine. Um, okay. I mean, like I said, it's, it's a bit like the Isaac situation where they're, they're, three, they're in third and they're three points behind Ukraine in second. England are top of that group. So for Italy, this is an absolutely massive game, especially when they missed out on the World Cup. But but yeah, Tonali won't be playing. So we'll, obviously, I'm thinking we'll get an update from Howe on Friday, but it's a worry, isn't it? He's obviously, we've got Brentford on Saturday, but then we've got Milan next Tuesday. So I really hope that's just a precautionary like withdrawal and it's not it's not an injury that's going to keep him out for any length of time. Um, yeah, so yeah, let's hope shame, not. I mean, I mean, that would be absolutely gutting if it is, but, but it sounds like it's a bit of a niggle. Yeah, I'm hoping so. I mean... I saw one other Italian outlet saying there's a he's seriously at risk of missing the Milan game. Um, I mean, oh, it's, let's face you. it, it's one week away. So if it's any sort of muscle injury, they don't tend to recover that quickly. So, but we'll see anyway. I'll, I guess we'll hold back from saying too much until there's more of an update. Sean Longstaff at the San Siro, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I thought that. I mean, yeah. but we're we're starting to get light in num- on numbers in midfield, though, aren't we? We've got if if Tonali keeps him out for any length, there's that new concern. There's Joe Linton's been carrying a bit of a knock, which is where he, he probably shouldn't have started at Brighton. You've got Joe Willock out for another five weeks. Um, Elliot Anderson, who we'll come to, on to in a second, I think he is just a precautionary uh, withdrawal, but he got a knock for Scotland, and that's why he had to withdraw from their squad this week. So they start, it's starting to add up how many knocks we've got in midfield. Um, mm. But yeah, I think you're right. I think Longstaff, if Tonali's injury is one that will keep him out, could be seeing uh, could could be seeing him come back into the team for the next two games. Um, well, that'd be great. Yeah, talking I mean, of... as in not it'll be not ideal, but but just long stuff playing at San Siro just got a nice ring to it. I like that. Yeah, I mean, let's. I can't lie. 
I think I'd be a bit good for the likes of Longstaff if, if having played such a key role in getting us to the Champions League, that he then missed out on those nights at the San Siro, mm. things like that. I mean, I'm sure he'll play his part, but um, but yeah, I, I think I would be gutted to see Tonali not play, not just because it's the return of the, to, to the San Siro for him, but just I think he's been the best of our midfielders this so far this season, to be honest. So it would be it's just a blow, isn't it, to lose him? But uh, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see what comes of that. But yeah, talking of injury scares, Amron played for Peru, um, not for Peru, for Paraguay against Peru over the weekend. And uh, there was a report in Paraguay that he'd, he played the full game, but apparently he had a mus- muscle issue. Now, fortunately, it came out after that that he actually was just suffering with cramp and he's actually trained for Paraguay and they're playing Venezuela tonight at 11 o'clock. So let's hope he's not sort of... Uh, I mean, if, if you've got bad cramp or any sort of muscle issues, I'm hoping he doesn't come out of tonight's game with another another complaint because then we'll be dropping like flies, won't we? So... Um, mm. But yeah, so so Amron's what there was a concern, but those fears have been eased a little bit. Wilson and Tripp, yeah, they didn't feature against Ukraine. It was I didn't watch the game because, to be honest with you, I, just, I lose a lot of interest in England games half of the time. But yeah, so do I. Um, <laughs> unless yeah, it's I mean, a tournament, unless it's a tournament. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So they didn't feature against Ukraine, but apparently Trippier is set to start tonight against Scotland at left back. That's what Sky oh, Sports is saying. Okay. Um, so again, let's hope he comes through that. It's funny, isn't it? We. I go through the international break mainly just hoping our players come through and don't get injured. That's, I'm that's not... it. You know, even it's... even hearing Trippi is going to start, you're thinking, right, okay, so he's starting today. He's going to be starting probably against Brentford and then starting AC Milan away two days later. It's like, oh, crikey. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of games and it's three games in seven days, isn't it? That? So mm. it's against Scotland as well. It's Hampden Park tonight. So I know it's a friendly, but I'm not sure it'll be friendly. You know what it's going yeah. to be like. So. That, but... that, that, that sort of game interests me. I'll definitely watch that. But yeah, you're right. The others are a bit like, Meh. yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, the final few here. So, Fabian Shaw, I think I mentioned on last week's podcast that he was a bit of a concern and I thought he might have pulled out of the Swiss squad because he, he left the Brighton match holding his hamstring, limping away. But I guess the good news here is he played 90 minutes in Switzerland's two-all draw with Kosovo. So, that's a good sign, suggesting he's fit. They play Andorra tonight and they're top of their group for the Euros. So, I think I'm pretty sure Switzerland are going to next year's Euros. And then the final few... I've mentioned there, Anderson had to pull out of the um, Scottish squad. It was his first call-up to the senior squad, but he had to pull out with a, with a knock. Apparently, it was precautionary, and he's just back on Tyneside now getting treatment. But there's been a lot of talk about him this week, hasn't there, about because he, he was sort of forced to withdraw from the Scottish squad, he's back on England's radar. Um, I don't know if you've seen some of the yeah, talk about Yeah, I have, I have seen that. I find it a bit odd, really, because he's not even in our team. <laughs> Why? Well, yeah. Uh... I do think like Gareth, sure. I mean, even Gareth Southgate kind of name checked him the other day, saying we are interested. And I'm thinking, well, okay. I mean, that's good. But is he is yeah. he that good? I mean, maybe he is. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, I've got high hopes for Anderson, and I do, I do, like partly believe that in a, in, a, in years to come he could get himself in, into the picture for England. But I totally agree with you that at this stage of his career, I mean, last year he was on load at Bristol Rovers. He's yes, he's had a brilliant preseason, and yes, we've got high hopes for him. But I almost don't like the fact he's like national news and Southgate's there alongside Trippier in a, the pre-Scotland press conference talking about Elliot Anderson. I feel like that just adds pressure to him um, before he's even really announced himself in the Premier League. So, yeah, it is positive to, in some respects, hear and be praised. And um, I mean, I'd, I'd love it if he did become an England regular. I mean, he's born in Whitley yeah, Bay and great. things. And I'm sure yeah. he'd love that. But yeah, I think you worry it might add a bit of unnecessary pressure at this point of his career. Um but on the flip side, I know Harvey Barnes has been capped once for England, but 
the Times are reporting that he's considering switching to Scotland, so they could actually swap over. Um, and that's, sure that's clearly because him. Scotland Scotland looked like they're going to qualify, right? And and Harvey Barnes thinking he's looking at the England squad, thinking there's just I'm just never going to get in. So yeah, I mean, if I was if I was um, Elliot Anderson, I'd think play for Scotland because it, surely even if he's turns out to be everything we hoped, which is a good Premier League player. Mm. there's too much talent in that England squad to ever get a game. You look at the players who don't get a game for England. Well, that's the I'd thing, get, isn't it? I'd I mean, play for Scotland, yeah. I mean, if you look at it, if, if Elliot Anderson could reach like James Madison levels where he was getting double figures, goals and assists in the Premier League in years to come, he'd have done very well. But even James Madison isn't a regular part of England starting eleven, So the, mm. it is tough. I mean, and I could, yeah, to be fair, I didn't think of it like that with Harvey Barnes, that, yeah, he, if he... If he got himself in the Scottish squad, then he'd he'd be playing in the Euros next year. Wouldn't well, he'd he? be That's straight something. in it. He'd he'd be one yeah. of the best players. Yeah. So exactly I, I mean, if I was Harvey Barnes, I'd switch to Scotland because yeah, yeah, you just regret it. It's like it's like Sholo went to Nigeria, but it was when he was like twenty eight on twenty nine. He should have done it eight years earlier. Yeah. Because <laughs> there was this yeah, hope that he might get an England call up. It's like, well, you could have had a hundred caps for Nigeria. Why didn't you do it earlier? He could have gone nah, to World would, Cups yeah. and all this yeah. sort of stuff. So. You got to be realistic. You got to have an agent who is realistic with you and says, "Look, <laughs> you're not really yeah. going to get in the England squad. Be realistic. Uh, go to Scotland." But I think I saw. I wonder how this worked. But I think it's there's it's senior level. If you've played more than four times in, at a competitive level before the age of 21, then you can't then change change uh, nationalities in in a footballing sense. So yeah. I think because Anderson at senior level hasn't really. Well, he hasn't even played at all for Scotland. So I think England are trying to get in there, obviously, before it becomes impossible. But um... And we got, I mean, if you think, remember it, England got Jack Grealish, who was went through the Irish youth system, and Declan yep. Rice, who went through the Irish youth system, and we just yeah, basically right. nicked them. Oh, yeah. And that's what we, uh, that's what we do, because we're England. We go to other countries and steal their stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the final few, talking of Irish uh, players, do you know how I said last week that Alex Murphy had gotten to the Republic of Ireland under-21 oh, yeah. squad? Well, he actually got a knock as well and had to pull out, which is a shame. Um, okay. And the final update on internationals, which is another, it was, this was really good news. It was brilliant, really. It's Jan Kuba Minter, who we mentioned last week, scoring again for Feyenoord. Um, he made his senior debut for the Gambian national team. And it was against Congo in a really important AFCON qualifier. They were 2-0 down. Jan Kuba Minter scored in about, with about 10 minutes to play. And they ended up getting a 2 all draw. And that draw... Nice secured their spot at AFCON for January. So, so yeah, he's he's on a roll, Jan Kuberman. He's scoring for Feyenoord, getting his getting He his looks the real deal, doesn't he? Team. He does. He, he seems like he's the real deal. He does, we yeah. Very, I mean, we very rarely get players who go on loan to top clubs, like the, you know, ex-champions of Holland. Yeah. And and still are, are kind of one of the shining lights. Yeah, it, it, it feels very Brighton, doesn't it? Which I like. That, this is mm. what Dan Ashworth was doing at Brighton, getting these players in who people hadn't really heard of from a a European league that isn't one of the big ones, and then immediately they come in, they go out on loan, they look good, and then well, I suppose he did it, cost seven million quid, so we must have, you know, we True. must have really thought he was good, and he is, he is, he clearly. But is. this is this is what Brighton did, isn't it? I mean, the likes of Alexis McAllister, I think he came in for five or six million, which at the time you thought, well, I've never, haven't really heard of this guy that much, but when you then look at what that then equates to mm. a year down the line when they're in the first team and they're. They're suddenly worth ten times that. I mean, it was and the they same got, with NC. They got so. Basuma, didn't they, in defensive mid, who who they then sold for like ten times the amount. Replaced yeah. him with Casado last year for five million. I've sold him for a hundred million, and now they've just replaced him with someone for twenty-one million. I don't, I've never heard of. Who'll probably go yeah, for two hundred million next summer or something. So exactly, crazy. yeah. You can already you can already just see that transfer in a two years' time, can't you? So to Chelsea. So yeah, yeah. That's, 
that's really good for him. But yeah, that's pretty much the international roundup. I know Lewis Miley played a couple of times for England under-19s. Lewis Hall played for the under-20s. Well, he's training with them. But he actually got called up to train with the senior squad on one of the days where a couple of the, the first-team players weren't training with the main team. So that's that's a bit of a compliment to Lewis Hall, isn't it? To train with the yeah. seniors. So, so yeah, there'll be a lot happening tonight. This this um, We're recording at the time at Tuesday afternoon. So there's a lot of games that are going to happen tonight. So, so yeah, fingers crossed there's no more injuries because um, there's a bit of concern there, isn't there, with Tonali. So let's hope there for is. no more. Yeah, well, let's move on. Um, let's go to, there was uh, obviously Saudi Arabia played their game at St. James's Park the other day and there was a bit of a protest at St. James's Park that went semi-viral thanks to an Adam Pearson video that, that was posted. Uh, what do we make of it, Oli? Yeah, so, I mean, they're actually playing a game tonight, Saudi Arabia. I think they're playing South Korea at St. James's Park tonight. So, yeah, there's like two in like, what, five days or something. But, but yeah, I watched the videos and I really cringed, to be honest with you, because... So there's a group, a protest group called Newcastle, well, NUSC fans against sports watching who there was about, I think there was probably no more than 10 of them who were there outside St. James's Park. And I think it was one of those sort of peaceful protests where they just had a banner and they were obviously wanting to just vocalize their, the fact that they don't support a club owned by the PIF with Mohammed bin Salman and, and, the, and the human rights records in Saudi Arabia being something that they just can't ignore. And I think for me, I've always said that while I'm not, particularly educated on what goes on in Saudi Arabia I think it's always really important that fans are respectful towards those who are concerned about those things because they are very serious things that doesn't mean as football fans that we we have to be experts and we have to leave a club we've supported for years just because the Saudis have turned up but what I didn't like is there was a few young fans who were just so disrespectful towards one of the the protesters and there's like you mentioned there a video from Adam Pearson and yeah, I don't, I don't know if you watched it, but it was just really like hard to watch. And it's, I know it's the minority and it's just a couple of young fans and there's just what, five or six who are featuring in the video. But it was, it's one of those things. It's had over 13 million impressions on Twitter. There's loads of journalists picking it up and sharing it. And it just paints Newcastle fans in a bad light because this young lad's just speaking to this, speaking down at this old old man who's, who's there part of the protest. And He's kind of, uh, I think what, I think what, this one line he says, something like, I don't know why you're bringing your protest here. We just want to enjoy watching the Saudis play. And he just doesn't really listen to him. He just laughs at him. And it's just, yeah, it's it's just hard to watch. And like I say, just it just doesn't look, make us look good as, as fans, really. Yeah, so it's it's you can have a you can have positions on this stuff, can't you? And you can you can either say. You know, I'm okay with it. I'm fine with it. I'm I'm not even going to think about it. Fine, if you say that. Yeah. Or you can say, look, I'm going to support Newcastle. Um, not completely comfortable, but I've supported Newcastle my whole life. It's not, you know, this it's a different thing. Politics and football are different. Yeah. And then you can have the view that, oh, I'm going to defend the Saudis and everything they've done just because they're involved in my club. And that is surely that's the most delusional. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, we support Newcastle. My position's always been the same since it happened. I have supported Newcastle my whole life. Uh, that's a club that's over 100 years old. That's a club that has history and memories and all this sort of stuff at the st- stadium. I've never gone to a ground to support owners. No one does no. that. You don't go to a ground to support the owners. You support the club that's been there way longer than the owners. The owners are just a side thing. And yeah. um, so that's why I can still support Newcastle, I think, while not um, yeah. you know, having moral qualms. Now, can you do that and still have issues with the Saudi government and what they've done. Of course you can, but don't be this this 12-year-old lad on this video or 15-year-old, whatever he is, speaking down to someone, your elder, who knows far more about you than you, 
um, who is who is expressing his his right as he should to protest. Just let yeah, him it. protest, and you get on with your life. Ridiculous. I think you've hit the nail on the head there in terms of the three sort of the positions you can be in as a fan, and that that last one is is what I hate to see because, as you say there, we shouldn't be put in a position as fans to say, well, if you're going to turn up to games, then you still support the Saudi regime because it's like, no, no, we're not. Me turning up to a game, me supporting Newcastle United, is not me backing this Saudi regime. It's me backing the football club I've supported all of my life. So I don't think it's it's right that fans are sort of told to make a decision on on like their sort of moral compass and things like that. But as you say, the comments like, I, I don't care what happens in Saudi, providing we win games of football, I like, that's when we start to look stupid. And And don't get me wrong, I don't expect Newcastle fans to know exactly what's going on in Saudi Arabia and things like that, because as you say, it's football, not politics. But I think it's just important to try and be sensitive to it, especially when there's people peacefully protesting outside the, outside the stadium. And yeah, it was just it was just a bit hard to watch that. And I just think you should some of the some fans there should do better. But unfortunately, some of the people who are going to turn up to that Saudi game with the green Newcastle top on with their Saudi flags are the exact sort of people who come into that third category you talk about. So yeah. it was never going to be a good mix, was it? No. Anyway, uh, let's 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 move on because we don't want to give too much air time to it. But yeah, Adam Pearson's yeah, got course. a bit of stick, hasn't he, for posting the video? I don't think it's Adam Pearson's fault. He's just trying to record what happened. Adam Pearson didn't say anything in the video, but he's no, posted agree. this video that's gone round and, and made us Newcastle fans look stupid. But anyway, that's the, that's that kid's fault in the video and a couple of others. Yeah. Anyway, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about Bruno Gamarish. We'll talk about a new fan zone at SJP and we'll talk about three youngsters who've signed. <laughs> Welcome back. So, Oli, Bruno Gimarash, new contract is on the table. I know it's been said for a while, but it sounds like it's getting close. Yeah, so Fabrizio Romano put a big tweet out, an exclusive sort of tweet on Friday, saying that we've made significant progress in negotiations to extend Bruno's deal. So people have said, well, I mean, he's, he's not long signed. Why would he need another deal? But it's one of those extensions where obviously you get a few few years added onto the contract, but the terms will be better you'll probably become one of our highest paid players. I'm guessing at the minute, maybe his wages might not match up to the highest earners at the club. So yeah, Romano was saying there's like secret talks took place over the past like week or so. Um, and it sounds like the new deal is now really close. So that's that's positive because I did wonder when you combine the fact his form's taken a little bit of a dip, there was that Twitter um, interaction between him and NUFC 360 where he had then deleted it, but it wasn't the best thing. I, I agree with what he said, but it was all, it wasn't sort of great to see the contract talks potentially stall and all these different factors come into it. But now it's uh, it'll be good to get that out of the way, won't it, with the new deal signed. But mixed in with that, there's been other talk about, um, there's been a few outlets report this, that apparently Newcastle rejected late bids from Liverpool and PSG over the summer. Um, and apparently Newcastle are expecting more interest to come next summer. So I suppose this new deal helps put us in a stronger position because when he's got longer on his deal, um, but at the same time, I know some of these reports have also suggested that there's going to be a release clause in that deal, which isn't exactly great because I know a lot of the people who signed in the first place, like Trippier, when he first came in mid relegation battle, there was no, there was all the talk there that him and Bruno didn't put sort of release clauses in a deal. Obviously, they were relegation release clauses, but um, some some of the talk about this this release clause says it'll be between 100 to 150 million, from one report I read. Um, I mean, let's face it, that's that's a lot of money. So we wouldn't be losing them on the cheap. It wouldn't be some like bargain hidden release clause that we, we'd worry about. But um, 
but that in itself makes me wonder. It's it's a it's the option of an escape route if a huge huge club comes in and wants to buy him. Um, but yeah, it's best not to think about that for now. It's it's good news really that that's that's getting close. Yeah, yeah, massively good news, and uh, and it just shows, doesn't it, how highly rated Bruno is. That if you know if Liverpool did bid a hundred million or whatever, that's the sort of level he's at now. And it sounds like we've already talked about it, but he had a top game against Brazil, a great assist. Do watch it; you'll be able to find it on Twitter somewhere. Yeah. Just, did we? Did you tweet it? Any of blog code at UK? I think probably. I did actually. I think yeah, yeah probably yeah. yeah. So just just have a look at it. It's it, it's good and his stats. Yeah, I saw a stat about Bruno the other day from last season. I know it was from last season, but some people say oh, I tailed off at the end of last season. In terms of pass completion stats and passes under pressure and all these top stats for the kind of sixes in the Premier League, he's second only to Rodri at Man City, who is considered to be the best defensive midfielder in world football, pretty much. So yeah, yeah no, he's elite. He is elite. Um, I, think, I think the only thing for Bruno moving forward is it's just getting that balance in midfield because I feel like putting him as a number six holds him back a little bit in terms of his freedom to get forward, get in the yeah. box and release him a little bit because all through the summer, well, in the early months of the summer, it was said that we want to play Bruno as a number eight and therefore sign in more defensive-minded number six to allow Bruno to go forward. But actually, we've signed Tonali, who's that slightly more like um, Roman number eight. So I think getting that balance right, hopefully we do find that. It's just out of Joe Linton, Bruno and Tonali, I'm not sure there's a natural like defensive screen there. I think they all kind of want to get forward a bit. So, um, so yeah, hopefully we find the balance there. Yep, that's what we need. Um, particularly with the Champions League coming, we're going to definitely need a balanced midfield. Uh, this new fan zone at St James's Park looks quite cool, doesn't it? Stack NUFC or something. Yeah, St James's Stack powered by Seller. So you might remember a few months ago, the owners bought back the Strawberry um, Play site that Mike Ashley had previously sold. So it gave him a bit of freedom to sort of use and build on the, the sort of area behind the Gallagher. Um, and it was mentioned there that they were going to build some sort of fan zone and Basically, just yesterday, the club released these CGI images um, of this proposed fan zone that they're going to put there. And it, it looks pretty good. I mean, it reminds me of some of the fan zones you see in London and even obviously in Newcastle as well. I think they've had one for the for the when that the World Cup and things like that were on. Um, but this, I mean, obviously, you can see the images online if you go on Newcastle's official website. They're all there. But it's, it's mentioned as like a, a place for food, drink, entertainment for supporters visiting St. James's Park on match day, but also through the week. Um, it's a place people can go to eat and drink and things like that. So it, it'll obviously be be busy on match days and it'll be a new feature there for fans. But also for Newcastle itself, it's going to be a, a sort of I would think a probably a popular place if it gets if it gets official approval. But it looks like it's going to go ahead. And um, but yeah, I don't know if you've seen the images, but it looks looks pretty good. Yeah, have it's cool. It's got a stage and stuff, so they'll be able to do events and concert. Uh, yeah. well, concert. It's not it's not as big enough to do a concert, but like you know gigs on a Thursday night, even when there's not a game, it's going to be a place people go, isn't it? And hang out. It's quite yeah. cool. It's, there's a lot of these stack places coming up, isn't there? These um, kind of like, they're like units that, that you could rent out to be a one, a gin bar or, a, you know, this, that, and the other. And there's quite yeah. a lot of them in London. And I think there's one, my sister, I was in the Northeast the other day. My sister said she was going to one in Seaburn or somewhere, you know, oh, I can't right. remember where it is, but so it's something called stack and it's the same company. So yeah, no, it looks, it looks really cool. And you can imagine it being absolutely, you know, at the moment, if you're going to go to a game, don't you? You either, if you're going to go to the ground, you go to Shearer's or mm. it's like you go or to a pub, the or... Strawberry, or you go to a pub that's in town and then into the game. Yeah. Now yeah. there's a hub, really, where that overflow from Shearer's, which is always packed, of course, uh, everyone's going to end up at Stack, aren't they? So it's, yeah, I think it's really good. I really, really yeah. like it. I, I know if I go to games, I'll end up there. 
Um, yeah, I, I was thinking that. I mean, I sense. think as well, there's a stage there. And often, like, I know in some of these, like, corporate areas or things like that, they'll have, like, a guest speaker. And obviously, yeah. that's very expensive. And it's hard for a lot of people to get into those areas of St. James's Park itself. Well, I'll tell you what they'll do this, is they do it at Shearer's. Yeah, they currently do it at Shearer's. There's a Because yes. I saw Alex Matthew last time. They'll move it over to Stack Shirley. Because it's yeah, Shearer's, like it's ridiculous. You he can't see who's talking. He's standing yeah. behind the bar on, like, this. <laughs> yeah, he can't see anything. So, surely, yeah. he'll go over to this place. Exactly, yeah, and it should it should help whip up a bit of an atmosphere before the game as well. I'm sure they'll have music on and there's big screens and all that. So, so yeah, a good place to have a drink, get some food, and there'll be loads of like Newcastle themed entertainment as well. I would think. So yeah, I like it. Looks good. That I think that's a good yeah. addition. Yeah, yeah, it is. I I saw. Um, I went last season to a game, first half of the season. Can't remember who it was, and um, was it Shearer's? And it was Alex Matthew. And Alex Matthew's son went to my school when I was down living in Ipswich. Is when Alex Matthew went on to play for Ipswich. And yeah. Alex Matthew took our football training sessions when I was like six years old. So I went up Probably. to him and said, you, you train me in football at Waterfield School. And he was <laughs> like, oh, cool. And he said, my sons are over there who were in the few years below me. I didn't go and say hello to his sons because I didn't actually know them. But anyway, oh, uh, right. Yes. Three youngsters. Last thing before poll of the week, Twitter questions and FYI, man. Three youngsters have signed. More youngsters signing, Ollie. Are you Are you having us on here? No, so th this was, to be fair, this is just confirmation of the guys that I mentioned last week who were due to sign. So on deadline day, it said we'd like signed Travis Hearns from Shrewsbury. He's like a Norwegian youngster. Well, he's now being pictured getting his photos at the stadium and he's sort of officially on Tyneside now. And the two others was Trevor Sanusi, the Birmingham winger. He's an England youth international. He's he's now being confirmed. Not When I say officially, the club haven't announced it, but there's pictures of him at St. James's Park with the shirt on alongside another England youth international called Leo Shaha. So, so yeah, there's that, just that three. Tra Travis, Travis fella, sorry to interrupt, but he was, yeah. he was seemed to have been being chased by Man United, Chelsea, Liverpool, all the big clubs. Oh, was that, was that Sanusi? Cause I, I think, I mean, unless they both were, but I know Sanusi, the, the guy from Birmingham, the winger, there was a lot of talk of all the big six clubs wanting him, but, but maybe that's the same with Hearns as well. Um, oh, right. They're all wanted and we're getting them. Is that the point? Yeah, exactly. This is great. Exactly. <laughs> and the, the final thing, because I didn't, didn't want to miss this is Newcastle United women have started the season brilliantly. So they, they won their cup game against Burnley and they've been promoted. It was the fourth tier of women's football. They're now in the third tier. They're now a sort of a professional full-time football club as well. And they've started the, the Premier League season with two wins. So they won 4-0 against Fylde last weekend and then they beat Stoke City Ladies 3-1 on, on Sunday. So yeah, that's, there's been a really good start for them. And but yeah, I didn't want to miss them out because they've, they've obviously they've been promoted, but they're, they're doing brilliantly. Yeah, so that's another positive, which is great. Great news. Let's take a break and we'll come back for Poll of the Week, Twitter questions and FYI, man. Welcome back. So the Poll of the Week, what have we done this week, Ollie? Yeah, so this week, I thought with the Champions League coming up a week today, I'd ask fans where they think we're going to finish in Group F. Obviously, it's a really tough group, PSG, AC Milan, Dortmund and us. Um, so yeah, I've asked fans first, second, third or fourth. There's seven minutes left of the poll as we speak, but there's been over 1,200 votes. So so yeah, as ever, what would you go for? Where do you think we're going to finish? Um, I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick with what I said originally, which is I think I'd be very, very happy with third and we go into the Europa League. I know that's so depressing, but I just think <laughs> I'd be delighted think, to exit the Champions League. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, but no, look, it would saying. be it would be amazing if we if we got got through and went into the knockout stages, it would just be incredible. But I yeah. wouldn't be 
to, so gutted finishing third against the Europa League because I think we could win the Europa League. I don't think we be could fair, win the Champions think, League currently. I hear what you're saying there because I think to finish fourth would be so good because that would be like our European football over before it's even began. So I, I hear what you're saying there. I mean, Toon pulls his vote. Shock horror, he's actually gone for something different. He was tempted to say third, but he said, I went for second um, in hope more than expectation. I genuinely don't think we'll win the group or come bottom. So it was between second and third, and I went with my heart rather than my head. Um, but you know what? I'm going to agree with Toon Pools on the basis that I've just got a feeling we're going to be an absolute force in James's Park under the lights. And I think, I think actually Premier League form might just go out the window because I think it, it'll just be such a big occasion, such an uh, exciting thing. And it's obviously under the lights. The players will be so motivated. I, I, I think some of these teams coming there won't know what's going to hit them in terms of the atmosphere, but also our intensity and things like that. So... It will be tough, don't get me wrong, because it's it's if we're cons- if we're thinking that say PSG are going to finish top, it's then between the likes of Milan and Dortmund, who are still two two top European teams. But I don't think Dortmund are as good as they were a couple of years ago by no means. So I get the feeling I'm going to say that PSG will be top, Dortmund will be bottom, and it'll be between us and Milan for second. That's what I'm going to predict. But um, yeah. but I'm probably going with my my heart more than my head a little bit as well, a bit like tune pulls. But yeah, and I'm going with yeah. my head over my heart, which is very unlike me. But there we go. We're different. I said third, you said second. Let's see what happens. So the results. Uh, just bear with me a second. So yeah, there's just been over one thousand two hundred votes, and at the minute, so in fourth place, it is fourth. So ten percent think we're going to finish bottom. In third, we've got first. This is confusing that because I'm saying in first, in third, and then a number. So anyway. The next one is first. So the, the 15% of people think we're going to finish top. Very yeah. ambitious, but I like it. <laughs> and then there is 33% think we're going to finish third. So they agree with you. And then there's okay. 40% thinking second. So it's pretty tight between second and third. Okay. Um, but yeah, second came out on top. I think people are people are being optimistic. So, But to be honest with you, that might be partly to do with the fact our Premier League form is not being great. If we'd, if we'd beaten Brighton last weekend, we might have seen a lot of people saying second or, or yeah, so people are so reactionary, aren't they? <laughs> so they yeah. Um, yeah, brilliant. Let's quickly move on to uh, Twitter questions. So we've only had one question this week, but that's okay. Andrew asks, "What will be the legacy of the Amazon series? Will it be quickly forgotten?" I I'm surprised at the negative responses this has had. There's been a lot of people on Twitter saying it was underwhelming, it was a bit rubbish, it wasn't long enough. I wanted you wanted it to be more like all or nothing, and I get all those points, but. I thought it was all right. And I know it was a carefully staged piece of PR. It was meant to yeah. end in the right time announcing Adidas and that kind of ruined the announcement because it came early and then stuttered it. And then when it did come out, we all knew. So I I think it was quite good and I quite enjoyed it. There we go. Yeah. I said it. I mean, I I did like it. I mean, anything Newcastle United related when it's, it's shown you sort of behind the scenes and things like that, I'm going to enjoy. But I do agree with some of those who wanted it to be, to be slightly more all or nothing in terms of, I kind of wanted to see what Eddie Howe says. Um, do you know when players are arriving at the training ground and just seeing behind the curtain a little bit more in terms of at the training ground and from the football perspective? Because we got to see a fair bit of Stavely, of of Darren Eels, um, those guys who are like the co-owners running the club day to day. But I do kind of understand what some people are saying there, that it felt a bit of a PR exercise for them and we didn't actually get to see too much of, of what Howe says to the players and things like that. But then I also think, was that done because Howe doesn't like that? the cameras being around and it was a very, very, very important season for us where if that distracted us in the end and cost us a place in the top four, it wouldn't have, wouldn't have worked. So I did enjoy it, but I think, I think for, for neutrals, they'd soon find it a little bit boring for Newcastle fans. I, 
I think I almost wanted a little bit more detail, but uh, but I still enjoyed it. Yeah, let's move on to FYI, man. So Ollie's going to test me this week. He names a player. He names a bunch of clubs. It doesn't name the player, so he names a bunch of clubs. I've got to guess what player it is. So we'll put the dramatic music here. Off we go. Right, so Newcastle, Southampton, Leon, Rangers. Newcastle. Newcastle. Southampton. Leon. Rangers. Rangers. Um, Southampton and Rangers. What a unique blend this is, isn't it? Newcastle and Rangers, I'm thinking of John, John Alan and Boonstorm. Boonsong. Yeah. But, uh, but it's not going to be him. Um... As ever, I can give you a little clue. Rangers, Southampton, Leon, French, Scottish, English. Ah, I think I've got it. Go on. Is it? Uh, is it Lauren Robert's best friend, Olivier Bernard? It is. When you I said remember when you start with Lauren Robert there, I thought, oh no, but then you said he's best friend. Do you remember when Lauren Robert smacked the ball at his head so hard he knocked him out? Wait, wasn't that referee? No, no, no. Um, uh, Lauren Robert smacked the ball oh, really, really hard. It looked like it was going to touch and then it hit Olivia yes. Bernard. He stumbled around for a few minutes, a few seconds and then fell over. Yes. It was brilliant. Yes, I've just, yeah, I've just, I've just visualized that. Yeah, that yeah. was ridiculous. Wasn't it? I don't know how I didn't, did it actually fully knock him out? Well, he, he kind of stumbled around and fell over. I think it definitely yeah. concussed him. But back then, you didn't need to worry about concussion, so he probably played no, on. No, he, he just anyway, played on, he? Yeah, we've got to end there. Thank you very much, everyone. If you like the show, say so with a link on Twitter. Five stars, subscribe, follow us, contribute. Email us at nufcblogcast at gmail.com. Thank you very much. We'll be back next week, and I'll be coming from Milan. We might be actually doing something later this week. We probably are. Before. Yeah, Brentford but preview, yeah. Brentford preview, brilliant. Ollie, say goodbye. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you later. Thank you very much, everyone. Goodbye. Podcast Network.